Oh my god, this is your host, Jaws Blake of the Painter Files Podcast. As you well know. <laughs> I didn't even say that right. Let's try that. This is Jaws Blake of the Painter Files Podcast, as you well know. Uh, this is episode 137, actually. We've been doing this for a, quite a time, actually. Quite a time indeed. And before we start this, I want to leave you with a really great quote by Robin Williams. Wise words. So, <laughs> uh, it has been an interesting day, to say the least. Like in actuality, a very interesting day. We went down across the uh, the bridge between Maryland and Delaware before the border, border before the states crossed, and went to a, a crab deck and had like several dozen crabs, I think like three dozen crabs, between like five, wait, seven people. <laughs> it was uh, it was really nice actually. And uh, I get to spend it with my family, which was really nice. I haven't done that for a while. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I got to have a great art interview with a very cool, cool person who, when it comes out, it's going to be this really great thing that's put out about me and, like, art and all the programs I want to have done and everything. And I'm excited about that. I'm so excited about that. I... Don't sound like I am, but I, I really, truly am. I'm just having a time. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest truth of all of it. We are working on all these things to try and stop or halt or change all the stuff with the condo money things and all this. We're probably going to vote the board out, uh, and that should effectively stop them for at least a little while. And make the management company uh, slow its roll and then come up with a a real solution as opposed to what it is. And it's great. Like we're figuring out what to do and we're doing all these things, but it, it doesn't change how the fact that it's happening just, I guess, is kind of the, the point that I want us to get to. It just doesn't make you feel very valuable as a person that someone sees a... So what's happening with us is the city is building a thing called the Purple Line. And the Purple Line essentially is like a new uh, travelway, a, a metro accessible path via trains and buses and... Uh, trolley cars and whatnot. And because they're doing that, and my neighborhood is pretty poor, it's not, it's not ugly by any means. It's very rich in culture, and there's businesses, and there's people, and they're so wonderful and, and genuinely, sincerely just good people. But because the Purple Line's coming through, and people see the opportunity to make money, developers see the opportunity to make money, they essentially want to kind of flush us out like an infected wound, I guess. And it doesn't make me feel very good. It just doesn't. 
even if we manage to beat them back and stop them from doing all these things, the factoid that they saw us as something, as an infection that needed to be flushed out, even though we're just people living, paying our bills, and fighting for survival, doesn't really matter to them. That's hard. That's very hard. It almost wakes me well up a little bit. It reminds me of like being a little brown kid with different facial features in North Carolina and like being picked on all the time because we were different and we didn't reflect what they thought was what we should look like or represent or anything of that nature. No, there was no like talk it out or solutions or whatever. Like people make up their minds and then they just do kind of despicable things, mean things, things that you would hope they were brought up to be better people about, but they are not. And so we are where we are. Hmm. <laughs> It's taking a dark, dark opening. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I want to tell you, I want to just lift you up and tell you all these, like, hopeful and magical things about life and, like, love and art and how much it means to me and how much, like, I want to make all these opportunities not only for myself but for other artists who are, like, coming about and getting an opportunity to just be forward moving forward and being all these great things and I want all those things and I'm going to make sure that those things happen like a roof over my head and all these things we've got this GoFundMe and it's doing fairly well like we're trying to raise 60 grand uh which whew, a lot of money I know um and it's basically because all the things that are going on, it will be easier to pay off our mortgage and then sell this for whatever we can get for this, as opposed to trying to sell this, get whatever we can get for this, and then use that money to then pay off the mortgage and then basically live in an apartment for a couple of years, possibly, after working so homeowners. And so... It just feels very, very drab and hopeless and frustrating. Hmm. I want so badly for this to be great and to bring great things forward in addition to those. But at this moment, I am packing up my studio to see what our next adventure should be. So, uh, art-wise, because, you know, that's what I do, um, 
things are coming together, honestly. Uh, I'm getting requests for art and pieces and commissioned stuff and stuff like that, so that's good. I'm also getting, you know, the ability to make stuff and, like, people are requesting artwork that I've already done that they would like to acquire. I just had this great art interview where I talked about just, you know, sometimes we just have to make our own venues and our own pathways to success because and have enough people who are like supportive of my work, then it is my job as an individual who has had to claw their way through things as far as I'm concerned to then make it accessible for other people. Like, I realize the silliness of that to some people that they're like, but you just got here. Why would you why would you extend a hand backwards to pull somebody else up? Because it shouldn't take you 40 years to get where you want to go. That's why. Because you shouldn't have to. If you're talented and you're smart and you're kind and you've got all these things going on for you, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to break your back and do all these like kind of strange acrobatic unnecessary moves to get scraps basically and so I will make a pathway if I have to carve it through the foreheads <laughs> of the statues that, that, are, that are on the gates that keep people away I just refuse I refuse to have the next great Frida Kahlo have to wait in line for some very curated milk toast carbon copy of somebody who's already done something that isn't that that was considered great five hundred years ago but has been done to death. I have exactly artist in mind when I say this. <laughs> Drink some water. When I was a kid, I used to lick my lips all the way take a drink of anything. It was like this it was like this weird tradition I had about myself. My mom used to always laugh and she'd be like, "Why?" Why do you have to lick around your mouth before you drink orange juice? And I was like, I don't know. It just feels right. <laughs> so I just do that. Like, that was my thing. It was this this tradition of mine. I also had this little kind of Fisher-Price table. And I would oftentimes, um, I would oftentimes, like, standing with my little legs and a cup of water and a little palette of watercolors and a lot of paper just stand there and just paint all day in front of the uh in DC in the brownstones cuz that's from I had um there's like an entry there's a so there's a step up a little garden there's a like a, okay so the front gate a garden, 
and then stairs and then you would have the front door and then the front door would open the front door had like a had like a, a door a lock gate type of thing and then there was like a a walk through little part partition type of thing like a little hallway um very short and then another door that then opened into the house um into the actual house and it was like a I guess technically a three-story because the basement, I guess, was one of the... And I, I, I fell down those stairs all the time as a little kid. I would slip and fall because I would walk down with my arms full in these cowboy boots that my uncle got me, my tío Rodolfo got me. And I loved those. And I lived in those. And I just thought they were the coolest things ever. And I'd have, like, shorts on. In like a stripe, uh, like a, I think it was like a yellow, it was either like a yellow and black, like a bumblebee, or a red and green striped shirt with my big old hair, my, my afro. And I was just, I thought I was like the coolest kid ever and I had a pair of sunglasses and I try and wear those as I walk down the stairs and down the basement and just slip and tumble and bust my head open. I think I did it twice actually. I had to get stitches twice. So much so that they started like wondering if my mother was like hurting me. So I had to I had to cut that out because it was it was dangerous. <laughs> it was dangerous for my life, but it was also, you know, I was putting her in a very bad situation. Um and yeah, I would just sit there. I would stand there in front of the door, faced towards the world where the living room was. Not in the living room, but slightly to the left adjacent hallway, opening up into the living room. Excuse me. And I would just paint. I would just paint and paint and paint and I would draw all my toys with crayons and then I would paint with watercolor. I do not have any of these before anyone asks. There are no there are no visual examples of this. I mean, I guess I could make something if it really came down to it from my memory. My mom might actually have some of them in an attic somewhere in a in a box, maybe. I don't know. But uh yeah, that was me. That was me. I I just remember like the excitement that little boy had. Like he'd get one of those G.I. Joe or Thundercats uh coloring water coloring books from the eighties or those um Care Bear stained glass things kits you get from like a from like a um a Michaels, not not a Michaels, probably like a Heck. I'm trying to think what they were in the 80s. Heckinger's maybe? I don't know. Um, maybe Home Depot. I don't know. Um, but it was just this whole thing, you know? It was just this whole thing where it was like very interesting and very kind of fun and funky and strange. And like my mom just nourished it. And... I just, I love that. And I want to give that to someone very badly. I want to give that to people. I want to give that to people. I want to give that to like, I want us to 
when we leave this place, once we get everything settled, I want to have like a three bedroom, at least two bath house. And then we're going to, at some point, adopt a child. And I want to give that kid all those things. My favorite part of my childhood. I want to, I want to share that with them. And I know Alex is going to be a great mom. And I think I'll be a good dad. I'm pretty, my, my cats think I'm amazing. So if that is anything to go off of, if anyone who's ever tried to get the affection of a cat who's failed at it will tell you it is an impossible feat. <laughs> anyone who's had cats who've had the affection to them is like, it's really not that difficult. <laughs> you just have to not be weird. And cats will be like, hey, what's going on? Um, yeah. But that's what I want. I'm sure I didn't convey that exactly in the interview, but yeah, I just feel like, I feel like there's just so much to unlock for artists who are unconventional and not unconventional as far as society goes, but unconventional as far as like what magazines and museums and all these places want. They're not interested in those things and then you look at some of the things as far as even social media goes social media oftentimes wants someone who does something that someone else does but more in a more kind of palatable way and i don't want that either <laughs> i have nothing against people who draw sailor moon and dragon ball z and star wars and all that stuff i think that's great i think it's odd that the people who draw those little kind of fan things oftentimes do better than the people who draw who draw and paint things from their heart that are literally like these ridiculously talented people who draw from their imaginations and paint from their imaginations and make songs and poems and all these things like that's just incredible to me i want to give those people a place i don't know what that looks like i don't know what that I don't know if that's a new type of social media. I don't know if that's a club. I don't know if that's a group. I don't know if that's a movement. But I, I want it. I want it now. I want to make it. And I want it to flourish. I want this new bohemia, this renaissance, this epiphany. So in a way, it felt like I just gave you an art school story, but I want to actually give you an actual art school story. If you'll, if you'll allow me to ramble on endlessly about silly things that I deem important <laughs> in the history and the makings of myself. Uh, I remember vividly, vividly, the day I realized that you could take a coffee can and make it into an empty coffee can and make it into a, a water glass for your watercolors, for your ink washes, for your 
your pens, your pencils, your paintbrushes. I was in this art class and we began to see, this is in high school, and we began to see all these like reused Folgers cans and Bustelo and all these other types of things. And we just kept thinking about it and we're like, oh, and like Campbell's cans and stuff like that. Uh, because the teachers had like limited budgets, so they would get like reused tomato cans and all this stuff from like the lunchroom and from their homes and from like donations and et cetera. And we would have these and they would be our little things in the middle of the table for all of us to share. And, you know, like parquet, um, like margarine tubs and stuff like that for water and it was just this this part of me just went ding <laughs> and i just started becoming this like pack rat this this uh murder of crows if you will for those who know um yeah pasta jars and all these things you'd see a jar that looked really had a really interested kind of thing on it and you're like i got to wash this and I got to let this dry and I got to save this <laughs> so I can use it later because it is necessary in the world. And it's just so funny. Like to this day, that's still. Oh, oh man, that'd be great. <laughs> I've got all these classical uh, tomato jars full of black water and ink and all these things it's just very funny to me because it's just so obscure and i love that i love the obscurity of it i love the silliness and the usefulness of it at the same time and i think it's important to reuse these things i'm i'm definitely an environmentalist on that aspect i think it is deeply deeply important that these things don't, aren't, aren't one and done type of situations because to me that would just be ridiculous. Like, you can obviously reuse them. I remember the first time I went to an artist, like space, a gallery. Not even a gallery, a studio. And they had mason jars that they were drinking out of and i was like oh man <laughs> this is the greatest thing i've ever seen <laughs> and i was just just blown away and just like grab just vividly grabbed onto by it and i just i don't think i've ever been able to go back from that jars of buttons and textures and just all these little kind of wonderful things they they just hold such such great depth and amazement to me i remember we would go and we would collect little stones from the parking lot and then bits of soil and we'd make these like layered sediment type of things for biology classes to show like the different man different parts of the earth the mantle the core all these things and it was just this like little kind of living art project all from jars 
all from jar. They'd have us bring in a jar. We'd have to carry it around in our book bag all day until we had the class. And then we, this glass jar, which could not have been safe. I think we were supposed to drop them off at the beginning of the day, but like some of us would just forget about it. So we'd have a jar all day, a big glass jar in our book bags. Dropping them, slamming them down, doing all this stuff. Lucky nobody got hurt, to be honest. But, you know, it's those things that make sense when you're younger. There's those things that make sense when you're older, but don't make sense when you're younger. There's no... Careful. You're like, nah, I'm going to live forever, so it's fine. (laughs) It's not true, but... It's just kind of how it was. We just have all these like little itty bitty strange collections of unnecessary recyclable things that like no one else understood. Like they would just be like in your collecting trash and putting it in your book bag. Why again? And you're like, this is a good jar. (laughs) Look him dead in the face, nodding your head. This is a good jar. You should not throw this away. This look, it's got like a, it's got like a, a bowl on it, little bowls around it, and it's got all these other things. Like, imagine if this was full of things. And like, nerd. <laughs> You're like, yes. Yes, I am. All right. And it was just, I don't know, it was just, there was something really magical. This, this whole, like, legitimate aspect it's almost like when I became a mechanic and I started getting cut up all over my hands and my arms and like at first I was like I'm just bleeding all the time and then I got older as time went by and I realized like these are sometimes like the most respected parts that people see about you as these as these like this job basically like people see it and it gives them legitimacy about what you do. Like they look at you and they're like, Oh man, that guy definitely knows what he's doing. His arms are horrible. (laughs) Uh, It's so weird too. Cause like all the art style, the art patch pack rattery basically still goes into like the whole, um, mechanic stuff too. I mean, I've got little jars full of random bolts and screws that are not at all, related to one another and have come from a thousand other different parts of things and they're all just in there floating together you have to basically turn the whole thing upside down and pour it onto a rag to find the ones you want because there is absolutely nothing about them (laughs) that is at all helpful if you were to just look for a specific part like there's there's no possibility you're going to find it your first try Swirling your finger around the jar is not inside of it, trying to find like a specific piece. You're never gonna find it. And these are like retired fish balls, basically. It's just kind of funny. I remember that was a thing that I did. I remember I took all my acrylic paints that were small and I put them in a big fish ball, like a big round fish ball, which was. It looked cool, but it was the least practical thing ever because you couldn't actually get to the things you wanted. It was almost like a kid grab puts hand in jar in pickle jar to grab a pickle, but then when you grab the pickle, 
you can't pull the pickle out because your hand is in a fist. So it's it's just a whole physics issue. <laughs> spatial spatial awareness, if you will. And it's just fun. I don't know. It's just fun. It's such an interesting, interesting way. And then I think about like my friends now, even to this day, my artist friends. They've got like matchsticks boxes and stuff like that that they've just filled up in these fist jars, these glass peanut butter jars, these honey jars, these visually stunning objects. The madmen who fill their who fill opaque jars full of things. You can't actually see what's inside of them until you open them. And then you have to blindly fish around like a hoping nothing sharp will get you. Which is inevitable. <laughs> a pinching of some sort. But uh, yeah, I just remember it vividly to that to this day. Little things, putting them in jars and coffee cans. If you ever want to do something nice for an artist, find an interesting coffee can that's empty and give it to them. I promise they'll keep it forever. Uh, Support the podcast. Please share, like, subscribe, write a comment, give it five stars. Go to the YouTube channel. Uh, painter files um if all you do is type the word boost under a couple of videos that you watch that will actually probably do a lot to help kind of promote and move the thing i mean share like subscribe all those things i have a patreon you should join that that would be really great uh joara blake it's under there'll be a link in the description all these things are really great and amazing and they have so much kind of culture and character and all these things. And if you help me um, have more people find my episodes of all these different things, like it's, it, it could uh, eventually change my life for the better. Get me off the streets. No, um, no, um, no, it could really just like help me out. Honestly, it would be a huge service. And I would be forever indebted to you. So do with that what you will. Either way. Yeah. I do find it funny though. Someone, a good friend of mine, was saying how much of a hard time they were having on Patreon. Because Patreon is definitely one of those things that if you treat it like a, and I quote, if you treat it like a full-time job, it will be rewarding to you in that way. If you treat it like a part, like a tip jar, it'll kind of eventually, occasionally, you'll find a tip in there. And that's how that works. And, but the, the truth of the matter is sometimes you will work at like a full-time job and it still tips you like a tip jar. And so it would be great if you join my Patreon. I've got lots of different levels and all these things. And I love to have people there. I love to have people to talk to and stuff to share with and all these things. So please join and I'll see you there. A fun sponsor me point. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Horrible music. Um, 
I just want to say thank you to Yasutomi Inc. Actually, they've been really great to me. They're super nice to me. They have all these live shows and all these like little moments, and they've given me product and they've told me they really loved my work. And it's really just it's made it's made this year really really wonderful. So please go check them out. Um, their description will be in the link. If you are in any way in need of any type of good thing for your soul. General, a bomb, a salve, any of these things. Um, I suggest you check out my friend Netararu's uh, product, which is a artisan wellness project. There'll be a link in the description. For years now. And. So it's been brought to my attention via several of you that the car meditation is freaking you out. So we're not going to do those anymore. We're going to do regular sit down, breathe meditations where we can just really get into the vibe, you know, really groove, really find that, that flow. We've needed. Um, so if you can, find a comfortable place. Grab your water. Take a sip. I can't tell mine has ice in it. I only drink ice water. Regular bottle of water just doesn't have enough weight for me. <laughs> so stupid. Um, no. Um... Take a sip. Find a nice, comfortable spot to just relax in. Give yourself a little stretch. Stretch your back out. Stretch your arms, your shoulders, your fingers, your toes, your knees, your legs, your butt, your stomach, your chest, your neck. Your eyes, your cheeks, your nose, your mouth. Pull your ears if you have to. Get in that groove. I like to wiggle my fingers a little bit. Just palms down. Give them a little wiggle. <laughs> so ridiculous. So I want you to work on your breathing. I think a lot of times we forget to find our center.
hold the weight of everything that we legitimately forget that we need to be looking for our center. It's so easy to fall off track on that. So I want to imagine a straight line being pinned on a post from one side of a post to the other and then a line pinned in between. Bring your finger across it so it makes it sound almost like a bow until you get into the middle and then I want you to pluck it and I want you just like that <laughs> when I hit my headphones and pull my microphone um, and I and when you get to that point where you've pulled that string I want you to take all of the things that are weighing you down and I want you to tightrope them as you do through life onto that string I want to pull it back like a bow and then just let it go and shoot it off into the sun because <laughs> that's where it belongs. None of those things on that raid. Flick. Just like that. <laughs> Didn't think it was going to be that loud. Um, mic stands. Very loud. Um, yeah. And visualize that. Find that moment where it's just there. And you just kind of set it up on there. And let it go. I think the hard part about a lot of these things, I hope you're breathing by the way, I think the hard part about a lot of these things are we are taught that our experiences help to an extent. But there is another aspect that you can hold on to stuff for way too long to the point where it's just maddening. And that's not good either. So, like I said, the string. Pull it back. And just let it go. I guess namaste would be the right thing to say at this moment. I don't know. I think, I think we're coming to this point in our lives, at least in my life, where I, I'm realizing I'm letting some things weigh me down that I don't need anymore. And so I'm learning to just let them go. And I suggest for those out there in existence trying to do a similar thing, you do the same. You'll be better for it. I promise.
All right, Galeras. That is the end of the podcast. I have done all that I can do and said all that I can say. <laughs> the therapy in which we find and listening to people is oftentimes imagining our own voices telling us we're okay. You're okay. With all the crazy shit that's going on in my life, I'm okay too. So, without further ado, I bid you good night. I hope you're well. I hope this finds you with bated breath and open arms. I love you. Thanks for supporting me all this time. 137 episodes. You almost like me. And, um, yeah, I shall see you next week. I love you. Painter out. Ciao.